Hello, everybody, and welcome to the May 22nd, 2020 edition of Peaceful Globalist Review. I am your host, the Peaceful Globalist, Ephraim Josine, and it is our 50th episode. 50 whole episodes. Wow, I can't believe it. Actually, I can, because last episode was episode 49, making this episode 50. However, I was going to do something special. There's no time for that, because did you hear? Did you hear? That Joe Biden might be a little racist? I know. I couldn't believe it either. Trump War Room uploaded this five-second clip on Twitter. Let's I tell you, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, and you ain't black. Okay. So Biden clearly made a horribly racist statement. He said anyone who didn't support him wasn't really black. He meant that entirely literally obviously, and he doesn't believe there are any reasons for African Americans to vote for him other than the fact he's a Democrat. This is the clear example of that Democratic plantation Candace Owens keeps talking about, uh, where they try to appeal to Democrats through policy, um, I, I guess. I still, that whole thing is still so stupid. But hey, 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 let's be fair. This is a five-second clip, after all, and even though those are notorious, those are famous, famous, for being reliable, maybe we should let Biden speak for, we'll say, how about 20 or 30 seconds, okay? This is still a very clip part of that Breakfast Club interview. Side note, what kind of name is The Breakfast Club? When I hear it, I just think of that show fam or Brian Griffin ran on Family Guy. Remember that radio show, Lunch Hour? For like an episode, that's all I can think of. But let's let Biden just talk for a little bit longer, okay? Thank you, MSNBC, for providing this clip, by the way, because everyone else just showed the five-second clip, didn't show the full thing. Here is the full Biden statement. It's a long way until November. We got more questions. You got more okay. questions, but I tell you, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, and you ain't black. It don't have nothing to do with Trump. It has to do with the fact I want something for my community. I would love to see- Take a look at my record, man. I extended the voting racks 25 years. I have a record that is second to none. The NAACP has endorsed me every time I've run. The war, I mean, come on, take a look at the record. Okay, now that might've still been a gaffe. Don't get me wrong, don't get me wrong, but Biden was asked by a black guy why he should vote for him, okay? Then Biden gave a sarcastic answer that his record for the African-American community is so amazing that if you considered voting for Trump, you weren't even African-American. That's how good it is. Then, when asked to elaborate... He stated a series of factually true statements. Now, there were things he omitted, don't get me wrong. There were things that probably wouldn't go well with the African-American community. Uh, things like the 1994 crime bill that they all still don't like. However, it should be noted that the vast majority of African-Americans did vote for Biden in the primary. Remember, he was number one by a long shot. 
among black voters in South Carolina, even despite Bernie Sanders getting endorsed by Jesse Jackson. Which, side note, I thought was kind of stupid to, like, trot that out. Because, really, is there anyone who honestly cares about what Jesse Jackson has to say that wasn't already going to vote for Bernie Sanders? Like, really? Was there just some guy on the edge? Hmm. I was considering going for Amy Klobuchar or Tom Steyer, but after seeing Jesse Jackson endorse Bernie Sanders, I'm now in support. No, no, nobody's like that. This is what I find funny about attempts to paint Biden as a racist. First off, this idea is just stupid. That Biden's statement was somehow racist. It wasn't. Like, it was hyperbolic. Don't get me wrong. That's not racist. That's poorly worded and stupid, but it's not even close to racist. Heck, Bill Clinton was called the first black president at the time by not just himself, but a lot of African-American civil rights groups. Were they acting racist? Oh, my God. They're saying that all black people love Bill Clinton. No, it was being hyperbolic, you idiot. But overall, these attempts to smear Biden as a racist have been going on for years now, really since he first announced the possibility of running for president. And he did make it hard on himself. Like in 2017, he talked about how he's been in politics so long, he worked with segregationist Democrats. And there were gaffes like that at the beginning. But as time went on, it just became more and more ridiculous. I talk about one example in my book, Ramblings of a Madman, Life is an Anarchist, which you should buy. Um, when Ryan Savandra, who writes for the Daily Wire, tried to smear Biden as a racist for uh, saying he missed his friend, Senator Fritz Holling, who apparently was this big racist guy. Holling was in the Senate for 40 years, was a good friend of Joe Biden, and oh yeah, hadn't really been racist up until, what, after in the last 45 years of his life? And for that matter... Biden said he missed Howling like a month, less than a month after his death, and Savandra was angry at that. And that's an example of just pure idiotic outrage, and in my opinion, that was disgusting. We also saw Kamala Harris try and accuse Biden of being a racist in the first debate. And how well did that go over? Not very well. Her campaign was spiraling in the, in the dirt, as they say. It was like a car, just spiraling. Meanwhile, Biden's campaign was slow and steady, but got the nomination. And now Kamala's talking about being Biden's running mate. I don't think she's going to be Biden's running mate. I think that if she gets any cabinet position, she's probably going to be attorney general in a Biden administration. However, that is still more progress than you'd expect from a capital R racist. And there's all these other factors, but the is, you know what these smears about Joe Biden being a racist remind me of? They remind me, and we were talking about this yesterday, when we were talking about Trump attempting to paint Biden as the candidate of Xi Jinping. It reminds me of the attacks, the, and these attacks were way more legitimate than they are against Biden, by the way, but the attacks that Donald Trump was a racist in 2016. How did those go over? Well, now Donald Trump's the president. That's how well it went over. 
I'm sorry, but the fact is these attacks did not work with Donald Trump. So now all of a sudden they're going to work with Joe Biden? No. No, a failed attack is a failed attack is a failed attack. And the fact is the vast majority of Americans know that Biden's not a racist, especially African Americans. We've covered the polls on this show. It's something like twice as many white voters are more disturbed by the fact that Biden's an old white guy than black voters. They don't care. And, you know, you can argue maybe they should, but they simply don't. Okay? And we talk about reality on this podcast, not hypotheticals. But um, that didn't stop the Blexit people, most notably the only person really in Blexit, Candace Owens. And what a horrible time, by the way, to be Candace Owens. Because as of right now, Biden is still leading by, I think it's 80%. He has 80% among black voters. Trump has 3%. He has a 78% lead, but hashtag Blexit. She's just been going crazy about this on Twitter. I haven't seen her go this crazy since a certain mosque shooter mentioned her in a manifesto and people started to make connections. Oh, did I say that out loud? Probably shouldn't. She has a bad habit of suing critics. Uh, (laughs) Now, here have been some of her tweets. If you didn't support Hillary in 2016, hashtag you ain't a woman. Who said that? I think Madeleine Albright joked that at one point. And by the way, again, none of these people have seen the full clip where Biden actually explains himself. They just saw the five-second shot that Trump has used as a tack ad. Or Trump's war room did, which is basically just part of his campaign. Uh, If you don't vote Joe Biden in 2020, you ain't black. If you still can't see that the Democrats are exactly what they accuse everyone else of being, hashtag you ain't smart. Hashtag Trump 2020, hashtag Blexit, hashtag MAGA, hashtag CAG. Don't those two phrases, like, contradict each other? Because MAGA is make America great again. And CAG is keep America great. So we're making America great again. While it's already great, it doesn't make any sense. A Senator Joe Biden authorized the crime bill of 94. That said bill, by the way, just implemented laws. None of them were racially biased. (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm so sick of- the war on drugs is stupid, by the way. I want to stress that enough. It is really stupid. Okay? With that said, if you're a white person and you get caught smoking crack, or selling crack, you're going to jail. You're a black person, you're going to jail. That's what these people are angry at. Uh, Voted against forcing white kids to bust with black kids. That whole thing was a complete disaster, by the way. And was 50 years ago. That should also be noted. And by the way, the controversy of the desegregated busing thing, uh, Tom Woods talks about this politically incorrect guide to American history. It wasn't like public transportation or something. No, it was this idea progressive cities started having where the buses weren't the issue. It was where those buses were taking the kids to. Because there were examples of cities mandating that kids go to schools like two hours away just so it could be racially equal. Seriously. That actually happened and Biden was against it. It was a complete disaster and was discontinued in just a couple of years. 
anything else? Uh, here's her posting the clip. You think it's the full version? Let's, let's actually see. Um, here's her original tweet on the subject with the clip. In all fairness, it is longer than most versions. She actually includes, like, the build-up a little bit. Uh, remember, reminder, black people, if you don't do the bidding for your wealthy white Democrats, quote, you ain't black. I like how she puts that in all caps when Biden didn't scream it in the slightest. Just imagine the media reaction if real Donald Trump said this to a black person that asked questions about his policies. Wouldn't the media be wrong to dogpile him on that, though? I thought that was the whole issue with the media, was that they were wrong. No, you just wanted the dogpile for people not on your side. This whole thing where you're angry, and I noticed it first during the Reed scenario, but it's going on here too. What these people want is basically the media to just dogpile all their opponents. They'll dress it up with, we just want fairness, okay? Well, why is it then when the media does something wrong and correct themselves, then the second that correction could be seen as in favor of a Democrat, no, 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 sorry. Uh, or if Trump said ain't when speaking to black what the f what the hell? Ain't, is ain't was part of upper-class common English in the 16th and 17th centuries. What, what are you talking about? That, that's not like African-American or even like ghetto slang. I don't know if that's the proper term, but there's no way to describe it. That's not like ghetto slang or something. Or urban slang. Now, that was originally, the word ain't was the contraction for, I think, am not, okay? And it was commonly used by the upper class in England throughout the 16th, not the 16th, the 17th and 18th centuries, okay? Maybe the 16th as well, for a while, for a while. The only reason it's really known as slang nowadays is because when lower class people started using it, then... Then, they just, the upper class, determined it wasn't a word anymore. Seriously. You know, they've been using that as a word for centuries. They just determined it wasn't. Uh, so that's ridiculous. It was a white, wealthy person word for 200 years. Jesus. This actually kind of bothers me. Actually, it really bothers me. It really pisses me off. It just... Ugh! Candace Owens makes me very angry, if you can't tell. But is this going to be the end of the Biden campaign? No! No! The last hundred attempts to paint him as a racist weren't. Why would this one be? Seriously, we saw people try and paint him as a racist before he ran. To stop him from running, he ran anyway. We saw people try and paint him as a racist during the primary. He won the primary and got the majority of African-American votes. Biden is not going to slow down. He's not going to just fall out of the sky and stop being a candidate. 
Maybe he won't win. Maybe he won't win the election. But he's not going to drop out. This isn't the end of his campaign. His campaign isn't ending for another five months. Okay, or, well, closer to four months. Still a good while, okay? We still got another third of a year before Biden's campaign is over. And there's a good chance that might be because he's transitioning to the White House. Uh, anyway, now, this show is fair, okay? It's fair. When we talk about controversy over racist comments, we do so for both sides. As such, Donald Trump was giving a speech at a Ford factory, I think this was yesterday, when he said the following, and just, just watch. In our lifetimes, the company founded by a man named Henry Ford, good bloodlines, good bloodlines. If you believe in that stuff, you got good blood. <laughs> they teamed up with the... Uh, good bloodlines, good bloodlines, okay, if you believe in that stuff, you've got good blood. Now, tons of articles have been written since that comment was made, talking about what Henry Ford considered good bloodlines. For those who don't know, Henry Ford, the founder of Ford, was a giant anti-Semite. Him, along with Charles Coughlin, in all fairness, he didn't popularize this. Charles Coughlin more did that. Um, but Henry Ford was one of the first people to release a, an English translation of the document on the Protocols of the Learned Elders of Zion. Now, that document's really stupid, it's, but it describes a Jewish plot to take over the world. It was written by Tsarist in Russia, and its primary source were satires of Napoleon. Not making that up, but he translated that and gave it out for free with every, with every Ford car. Henry Ford later gave out some copies of his own books. He wrote four books, in fact, or at least a four-volume series. It was a compilation of weekly columns he wrote. The books in question were called The International Jew. Yeah. Now, with that said, with that said, Henry Ford was still a captain of industry. And he was a very good businessman. He was an amazing businessman, in fact. One of the best businessmen of the 20th century, possibly in all of U.S. history. Okay, I'm not going to deny that. I am not going to deny that, and if you are going to deny it and just pretend he was some anti-Semitic commentator, then I'd say that's dishonest. Uh, he also used his cars, by the way, sold several of them to Adolf Hitler, and they were used to drive Jews into concentration camps, or into ghettos first, and later concentration camps. Then... Uh, for that matter, he was also praised by Adolf Hitler in Mein Kampf. And for that matter, he also received a medal in 1937 from the Third Reich. Uh, <laughs> but side note, uh, let's talk about how evil that Walt Disney guy was. That's a rant for another time. Yeah, America's filled with raging hypocrites. And again, Ford was a captain of industry. Okay, fair is fair. And I could forgive Donald Trump for saying that, especially when he's at a Ford factory, okay? 
if he didn't mention the bloodlines. What does he mean by good bloodlines? I, I could realistically kind of get it as a metaphor if, like, Ford's parents were also famous businessmen. But they really weren't. I mean, a good amount of people within Ford's family were wealthy. Don't get me wrong. However, it's not like it was all businessmen. These amazing family of geniuses. No, they were wealthy. They were fairly wealthy for the time. However, it was primarily Henry Ford working independently that caused Ford Motors to become the giant it was. It is today. So when he says good bloodlines. How are you supposed to interpret that other than a dog whistle of some kind? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But how else are you supposed to interpret? It's not just praising um, Henry Ford, which is fine, which is fine. He was a great businessman. But why are you mentioning his bloodline? Could it be because Ford believed in these bloodline conspiracies? Seriously, if you ever get the chance, actually read some of his newspaper columns that were collected in the International Jew. He believed in bloodline conspiracies and all that kind of shit. But now you're telling me that the president's just allowed to mention good bloodlines? Which by itself is really weird. Side note, by itself, that's like a really weird thing to do outside of circles infested by people like David Icke, who unironically believe the world is controlled by lizards. You know, like, those are the kind of people that you normally hear talking about bloodlines, okay? Specifically how good they are. No, what we are seeing right here is the administration, the, the commander-in-chief, specifically referencing an anti-Semitic conspiracy theory, that being the bloodline theory, and just letting it fester in reference to a very noted anti-Semite. Seriously. That's what's going on here. There, there's no way around that. That is objectively what is going on here. And it's just ridiculous. It is seriously just ridiculous. Uh, but Biden said that black people who don't vote for him aren't really black. So that's basically the same thing as mentioning the good bloodlines of a friend of Adolf Hitler. I mean, basically. That's basically the same thing. And you know the people who pretended to be outraged on the Biden comment are going to say anything about this. Because they weren't outraged about the Biden comment in the first place, as a side note. I mean, seriously, there were people who were calling Black Lives Matter terrorists, but were then posting quotes from Malcolm X saying Democrats are race traitors. Really, I'm supposed to believe that if you don't like Black Lives Matter, you would have been a big fan of Malcolm X? Really? No, this is just about attacking candidates they don't like. Hence why we won't really see much coverage on right-wing media about the good bloodlines comment outside of places like the Daily Stormer, outside of places like Stormfront, that bluntly believe in this. Seriously. 
Side note, I wonder what the bloodlines of Donald Trump's family is. I mean, not really, because I'm not crazy, but now I'm curious. Anyway, here's an article from Reason Magazine about some foreign news. A huge blow to Hong Kongers' freedom. New legislation proposed in Beijing singles the likely end of the one-country-two-system policy that has allowed Hong Kong to flourish. China's Communist Party signaled yesterday that it plans to increase Beijing's control over Hong Kong, effectively dismantling the one-country-two-system policy that was supposed to remain in place until 2047. That would be 50 years after they were given back to the Chinese by the British. After Hong Kong was given back to the Chinese by the British. And side note, can we all agree it was, like, way better off under British rule? Just, just saying. Under the auspice of national security, China's National People's Congress intends to improve a law next week that will crack down on anti-government action, including the protests that started last June and have only subsided due to the COVID-19 outbreak. After a private meeting where the new legislation was discussed, some participants said the move is retributed for the protests, or retribution for the protests, which started as a reaction to the now withdrawn exhibition bill, but quickly became a broader movement against mainland China's control over Hong Kong. The law will target, quote, secession, subversion of state power, foreign interference, and terrorism. One person at the meeting, Stanley Nye, a Hong Kong deputy of the National People's Congress, told the Washington Post. Um, oh god. Okay. So, what, what do I think of this? Well, here's how I view this. What is going on is China is trying to create a kind of reverse Truman Doctrine policy. Okay? They recognize that Hong Kong is one of the freest markets in the world. Meanwhile, China officially is a communist state. As such, they want to stop this kind of spread of ideas of capitalism to the rest of the world. Hence why they have done so much cracking down on Hong Kong. Okay? Now, what do I think the answer is? First off, do not fall for politicians who all of a sudden care about Hong Kong. They haven't cared about Hong Kong until there were massive protests forcing them to care. You really think Josh Hawley could even point to Hong Kong before 2019? You really think Ted Cruz could point to Hong Kong before 2019? You really think Marco Rubio... Marco Rubio has never once cared about Muslims in his life. Now all of a sudden he wants to protect the Uyghur Muslims, or the Uyghur Muslims, or however it's said. It's said a variety of ways. From China's control, because it's politically expedient right now. So do not fall for that. With that said, the actual answer, okay, is, and I do firmly believe this, a genuine call for U.S. backing the rebels. Seriously. Seriously. And I know that sounds like a weird position to a lot of people, but it is honestly the best option right now. Why not have the U.S. back these counter groups against China going on in Hong Kong? Now, that's not my ideal solution, mind you, but I don't think there is an ideal solution here. The ideal solution is obviously just China goes away for no reason.
And that's probably not going to happen. Okay? However, at the very least, if we are backing rebel groups against Hong Kong or against China in Hong Kong, they have a fighting chance. They realistically do. Now, it's still going to be a proxy war. It's still going to be not really a turf war, but kind of a, yeah, a proxy war. Although China really wouldn't have a proxy in this form. I guess mainstream Hong Kong politicians could count as a proxy. However, this is the genuine strategy that we should be employing. Because these are people who locally know how to fight, know what's going on, know, what's, know how to stop them, and have successfully countered China before. Seriously, they have successfully countered China before. So fund the absolute hell out of these pro-democracy demonstrators, these separatist demonstrators. Or for that matter, you might not even need to do that. I have no doubt, okay, that right now the Hong Kong movement is so popular within Hong Kong that it's going to win. Seriously, it will be such a blood show if China actually tries to enforce things like this the entire international community would turn against them in about 10 seconds. Seriously, that's what's going on right now. And, well, to be honest, Hong Kong probably outnumbers Chinese politicians pretty well. When you actually look at, you know, one Xi Jinping versus all those Hong Kong guys. Yeah, yeah, the Hong Kong guys would probably win. But if they need backing, if they need arms, they need something that the U.S. should provide them it. And we should openly do so, by the way. None of this black budget bullshit. No, I'm talking literally directly in the budget. There's a line item directly dedicated to stuff like this. That's very public defined. That's just common knowledge. Because that is the best way to actually show that we need business that's not actually punishing U.S. consumers. All these other China hawk methods, like protectionism and tariffs and all that, well, I guess tariffs are protectionism, are nothing more than attempts to harm American consumers with an anti-China branding. If you actually want to be tough on China, and I do, I do, why not actually fund the people fighting them right now? Seriously. They want to be their own state, too, so this wouldn't be like another Vietnam scenario. If anything, it would be like another Korea scenario. Okay? That's what we'd be seeing. It's something similar to what happened in Korea back in the 1950s, really early 50s. Um, as opposed to what happened in Vietnam about 15 or so years later. Well, actually, almost 20 years later. You guys see where I'm going with this. If we fund them then we're taking the fight there, as opposed to just bringing the fight over here. And I know that's an old phrase um, that Bush used to excuse his bullshit. we got to fight them over there so they don't come over here. Well, why not fund the people over there and fight them over there so we don't have to pay higher prices over here while still showing the end result? That's what I do, at least. Okay? And I think that's a perfectly fair look at the scenario. Anyway, in the continuing saga of why the hell would you believe Tara Reid? Tara Reid, represented by well-known lawyer, Trump campaign donor. Tara Reid, 
A former Senate staffer who alleged presumptive Democratic presidential nominee Joe Biden sexually assaulted her in 1993 is being represented by a lawyer that donated to President Trump's 2016 campaign, the Associated Press reported Thursday. Attorney General Douglas Wigder told AP he is not being paid for his work with Reid and his firm denied there was a political motivation for his decision to represent her. Sure, buddy. Sure, Douglas. Sure. I totally believe that. I mean, this is so transparent. They think you're stupid. I'm sorry. They really think you're stupid at this point if they expect you to believe this Tara Reid story. It just came out yesterday that the woman who accused Anthony Fossey of rape was being paid by Jacob Wall to do it. Meanwhile, we have Reid praising Joe Biden for... What, 23 years after she left Washington? Not even saying she was sexually harassed or assaulted until just this year. Seriously. And the most evidence we have that this happened was a few family members and a call that might have been from her mother, there's still no evidence it was from her mother, by the way, where they mentioned that maybe a senator sexually assaulted someone somewhere at some time. And now it turns out that the Republican Party is pushing her hardcore. I mean, seriously, just hardcore pushing her. After, of course, they made sure to all the whole Me Too movement, a witch hunt, which had the exact same goal. But now that we listen to them and come to the conclusion that maybe they were right, we're wrong again, we should just listen and believe now because it's a Democrat. And now it turns out the lawyer who is representing her is a Trump voter and a Trump donor. This could not be more transparent. I'm sorry. If this were an actual trial, that would be an immediate conflict of interest. That would be such a giant conflict of interest that it would cause a mistrial immediately. Seriously. And yet now we're supposed to believe, after these are the same people who made sure to go after every single possible detail to discredit Baisley Ford, that the Republican Party really cares about sexual assault and that's why they're pushing up this Tara Reid story. No! No, and we're supposed to blame the people who refuse to tell the truth during Ford. And during Hill, for that matter, when Clarence Thomas was nominated. We're supposed to believe that these people are now very interested in telling the truth about sexual assault? No, of course not. Of course not. Obviously not. This is a giant hoax. I'm sorry. There is, as of right now, constant evidence that Tara Reid is lying. I'm being dead serious about that. And we've covered the evidence time and time again. We have covered, and this is just the latest piece. This is completely politically motivated. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. But, okay, let's, let's continue on. We have this dedicated to take this matter on because every survivor has the right to a competent counsel, the firm said in a statement to AP, unless you're Anita Hill, or unless you're Baisley Ford, or unless you're any of the kids that were ripped, that were um, 
raped by a former Speaker of the House, they don't get their voices heard, now do they? <laughs> but of, of course, of course, of course. Um, but who really needs their voice heard is Paula Jones, the woman who was proven to be a liar. Um, also brought Ann Coulter into the public life. Uh, Reid alleges Biden sexually assaulted her while she was working in his Senate office in 1993. Biden has denied the allegations. Rita said she was struggling to find a lawyer to represent her. Winger suggests Reed's struggle to find representation was because of politics. According to the news source, I think highly of a lot of these people, he told AP. These are my friends and colleagues, people who I respect, but they tend to be Democrats or liberals because there are no Republican lawyers ever. Now I just imagine her, like, on one side of the phone, on the other side is Alan Dershowitz, and he's just saying, I'm sorry, I would love to do this, but, you know, my political affiliation is forcing me not to. It didn't stop a lot of these people from defending other Republicans in the past, but, you know. Um, and they were not interested, because of that, in representing Tara Reid. The Hill reached out to the law firm for comment. Wigder is a prominent lawyer known for working on cases related to sexual harassment and assault. He previously represented six women who accused Hollywood producer Harvey Weinstein of sexual misconduct, as well as a number of Fox News employees in cases alleging gender and racial discrimination, according to AP. However, this is the important part. Wigner donated about $55,000 in campaign contributions to Trump in 2016, but he has not donated to either Trump's or Biden's 2020 campaign. Oh, so then it's okay. So then it's okay. You know, as long as he's not having a conflict of interest at that specific moment, it's okay. No, this is obviously bullshit. $55,000? Really? Really? And we're supposed to believe this isn't politically motivated? Okay, okay, I'll I'll believe it on the condition that you start believing you can uh, double jump in real life. If you believe that, I'll believe Tara Reid's a lawyer is not politically motivated in the slightest. I mean, he admits it. Politics is the reason why others wouldn't take the case. Are you just above that? Apparently not, because you donated fifty-five thousand fucking dollars to Donald Trump. But no, now we're just supposed to believe, we're supposed to listen and believe, you could say, that all of a sudden, Wigner has changed his mind, and he is going to be perfectly neutral, and assess the evidence unbiasedly, and shut up if you believe that. Shove it up your asshole. I'm sorry, but there is no way this could not be seen as a hoax. It is, it's a politically motivated hoax to frame Joe Biden specifically so he'll lose in 2020. And again, I've asked this before, where's the representation for the 25 victims who have accused Donald Trump of rape, one of which was 13 at the time? We don't hear about that, but we're going to have to hear about Tara Reid every fucking day for the next, what is it now, five months? If Biden wins, probably the next four years and five months? Seriously? Okay. Okay. I'm going to hear about that every fucking day, usually in the context of how the media isn't covering it, while the media is covering how little they've been covering it. Weird cycle. I mean, that's what they did with Julia Borotsky. She got a 60 Minutes episode, and they still said the media wasn't covering her enough. 
And every newspaper they could point to that wasn't covering her enough covered her several times. Julia, or Julia Broderick, that's what her name was. The woman who said Bill Clinton raped her in 78, I believe. Of course, she didn't go to court because that's what Paula Jones did and she lost. Starting to notice a pattern here. Anyway, to end this episode, I would just like to take a minute to thank all of you. Seriously, thank all of you. Maybe you started watching the first episode. Maybe um, this is your first episode ever. Maybe you're watching this episode the day it came out. Maybe you're watching it years down the road. I don't know. I don't know under what context you're watching this podcast, or you're going to my Twitter, or you're going to my Medium, or you're buying my book. I don't know. But I just want to say, these last 50 episodes, 10 whole weeks of doing this podcast, have been absolutely amazing. I love doing this so much, and I expect to only get sharper and wittier as time goes on. With that said, I'm Ephraim, and good night. If you like this show, you'll probably like my book, Ramblings of a Madman, Life as an Anarchist. Follow my Twitter at, at EphraimJocene1. If you have anything you want to send me, you can send it to me at PeacefulGlobalistReview at gmail.com. It's PeacefulGlobalistReview at gmail.com. It's just the name of the show at gmail.com.